Welcome to the Medicine Rounds podcast, a podcast by two Indigenous medical students with the goal of celebrating Indigenous perspectives in healthcare and hopefully encouraging future Indigenous healthcare practitioners along the way. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome back to the Medicine Rounds podcast, episode two. Today, please welcome the lovely Dr. Evan Adams, who has joined us for this episode. Evan Tlesla Adams is a Coast Salish actor and physician from the Tala'aman First Nation near Powell River, BC, Canada. Evan completed a medical doctorate from the University of Calgary in 2002 and a residency in the Aboriginal Family Practice Program at St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver, BC. Dr. Adams has a Master's of Public Health from John Hopkins University in Baltimore. He was the first ever Aboriginal Health Physician Advisor in the Office of the Provincial Health Officer, BC Ministry of Health. He was the Deputy Provincial Health Officer for BC from 2012 to 2014. He then served as the Chief Medical Officer for the First Nations Health Authority from 2014 to 2020 and is now on exchange with First Nations and Inuit Health Branch Indigenous Services Canada as the Deputy Chief Medical Officer of Public Health under Dr. Tom Wong. Welcome, Dr. Evan Adams. Hello, Dr. Adams. So with all of those accolades, we are honored to have you here with us to chat. No, I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) Ah, Thank you so much. So we've just kind of introduced you. Would you like to add anything? Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, because of course, you know, I'm, I'm more than my job title. You know, I'm, I'm a First Nations person. I grew up in my little village and, uh, was so lucky to have a career before medicine. I was an, an actor. And then in medicine, I got to do public health, which is looking after large groups, not not patients. So that's a very special part, like a particular practice within medicine. And I love it very much. And COVID has been made our work so hard as uh, public health is where all that, those COVID measures were happening. So uh, it's been a, quite a busy last 16, last 16 months for sure. Yeah. So... Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, just what you're up to right now? Like, how is the landscape looking right now with COVID and what you do? Sure. I I feel really lucky to work with First Nations Inuit and Métis populations. It was actually my dream when I was uh, like like you, when you were like in your training. I hope that you're imagining yourself working with our people. So I spent all my time on that. And of course, with COVID, all of our work in caring for populations got put aside and we're just dealing with the worldwide pandemic and how it's, uh, how it's affecting uh, First Nations, Inuit and Métis. Wow. Yeah. And it's taken so much work to get to this point, I'm sure. We do want to dive a little bit into your journey to medicine because part of our audience are, you know, potential Indigenous uh, medical professionals, Indigenous students that haven't quite made it to medical school yet. And so we just were wondering if you could describe your your journey to medicine, what that was like for you, how you came to understand that you wanted to be a physician, because as we all know, you had a career, a whole career before you went into this. 
Yeah, isn't it funny uh, being I'm, you know, I've been a doctor for 20 years now. And uh, and I, of course, and, and now I think, yeah, of course, uh, anyone who's listening to this. Yeah, you could be a doctor. You could you can do it. Uh, but when I was younger, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know I could. Uh, so, yeah, in, you know, in junior high school and high school, I I had good marks. I could read things and remember it. And I really thought nothing of it. It was like a like a talent, but everyone has talents, right? You know, uh, I, I would much rather have been, I would much rather have been like tall and sporty or, you know, <laughs> handsome. So, and, and anyway, I could read uh, something and remember it. Uh, really, I didn't think anything of it. And I thought maybe, maybe eventually I would go to university and I could work in a lab. Like I thought I'd be lucky to work with test tubes. Uh, and it, it didn't occur to me that I could help um, people as a as a doctor. It wasn't until I was actually in university at McGill and I was uh, kind of scouted on the street and got an acting job within a few days that um, acting was kind of a nice diversion because helping people is hard work. I, going to university is is hard. And any young indigenous person gets told you have to you have to study and help the people. And for me, that was a little bit heavy. And there was this chance to be an actor and do really fun stuff. So, so I did that until I was 30. And then I had to face a decision. Do I stay, stay an actor forever or, or do I train to be a doctor? Which, you know, I had been thinking about. And maybe I would fail at both. <laughs> like I would fail as a medical student or I would uh, fail, to, fail to be a good actor. And I thought I'd rather fail than uh, be an old actor and say, I could have been a doctor, but I didn't try. <laughs> so I knew mm -hmm. myself, and so I tried. And luckily, I had a friend uh, who was a doctor, and, and she said, uh, yeah, you can do it. Uh, absolutely, you can do it. Because remember, I was an actor. I, in my head, I was, I was uh, uh, a starlet who wanted to go to university. <laughs> uh, so I didn't really take myself that seriously. And eventually, you know, mm -hmm. I, I just kept jumping through the hoops because me medicine is a lot of workouts. I think of it as being like you're on a marathon run and your mm -hmm. coaches are making you run long distances over and over and over again. And you just keep doing that uh, over mm -hmm. and over again. Really, that's what that's what it's like. You get up every day. It's like, okay, here we go. It's going to be a tough one, but yeah. absolutely, that's my job. Mm -hmm. Medical school surely can come with some challenging days. <laughs> When you have hard days like that, what inspired you to keep going or what are some of the things that you told yourself when going through rough times? Well, when I was an actor, I learned a few lessons about, you know, being in the workplace. And one of them was to be agreeable, like whatever someone said, like as an actor, you know, let's do a scene where you're giving birth. And instead of saying, oh, but I'm a man, I don't know anything about giving birth. Uh, as an actor, you're supposed to say, okay, and then you, and then you do it. Uh, so I, I tried to be like that. Um, medicine just had these ridiculous things. For instance, those exams, you know, exams that you get every six weeks or so. Like sometimes I'd be so scared that I'd think, God, I'd much rather like have surgery on me than be tested on surgery. <laughs> or or um, I would be so scared. I, I would say, I've never been so scared in my life, even though I went through, you know, some harrowing things. <laughs> and I thought, this is all made up. What, why are they making us sweat so much? So I would question it and I would rationalize it. And then my last one was, 
you know, I don't see anyone behind me uh, who's going to take my place. Like, I'm the one. I'm going to be the one helping my people. So I deserve to be here. I need to be here. I need to pass. I need to learn stuff. And uh, and I just was really gentle that way. Because, um, yeah, it's a, it's a bit scary, isn't it, being... Uh, being tested to see if uh, if you've learned enough. Absolutely, it is. One thing I wanted to touch on, Dr. Adams, when you were talking about kind of your journey to medicine, you mentioned uh, somebody that said you can do it, and how that was impactful. And I, I, that's cannot be understated how important it is to have those people around us, or even that one person that says, "No, no, you can do it. You're smart enough for this." Like that is that is so important. And I, I was just wondering if throughout medical school if you had access to any indigenous mentors who helped guide your direction or, or what that what that was like for you if you didn't oh gosh uh, yeah i did i did have mentors in that um indigenous physicians residents and medical students would meet and talk to each other like we would come from all across the country and meet once a year and so i would see brown doctors and that was uh that was amazing. But in my university, University of Calgary, there was a, a physician. He wasn't quite on faculty. He would teach, like he would teach individual medical students and residents, like in his clinic, but he wasn't part of the coursework teaching. So he was, he was there. And uh, that was really great to, to um, actually see with my own eyes, someone in practice, because I couldn't imagine it, right? And it was really good to have um, someone like my friend, Helen, uh, see something I couldn't see. Uh, like we all need that. Someone who believes in us when we can't imagine, uh, success. So yeah, I'm forever grateful and I'm, I'm always encouraging people. Um, yeah, listen to others. If, if, if others are saying you can do it, then that's a pretty good, uh, endorsement. Mm -hmm. It's always good to have people in your corner that you can be truly vulnerable with, um, about whatever you are going through that day or week especially with regard to things that not everyone can understand. Speaking of, what has been your experience in medicine as an Indigenous person? Oh, so it's been so interesting. Uh, so, for instance, we as medical students would see people in pain or, you know, we would start to see people who needed our help. And it was really scary. And I just remember um, praying like... Uh, like I was taught at home to just stop and center yourself and um, say to yourself, you can do this. You're trying to help someone. This is a good thing. Even if, you know, they're, they're in pain or something like that. And I, every time I would go into a situation like, you know, uh, someone's pregnant, someone has arthritis, uh, someone is sad because something bad happened to them. I, I would really see it from our people's point of view. And so that really helped me a lot. I could be, I had a reference point and I could just be myself. And I think my school appreciated that. Other students appreciated that, that we brought our own, you know, I just said, you know, I, I can't change how I, how I was raised. I can't change who I am. I'm just going to work from where I am. I'm not going to forget who I am to try and be the doctor that, you know, you think I should be. I can't help but think from an indigenous perspective. Yeah, so so that that was great because then it it let me gave me permission to transform what I was learning so that it would be helpful to me and my patients. Yeah, some of the stuff that you're learning is kind of weird, right? Like it's not applicable to to 
to our people. Like you have to change it up a little bit. Even how you greet someone and how you help them sit down or, you know, things, how you say things. It's, you know, our way is just a little bit mm-hmm. different. And I think that you touch upon something really important that we wanted to talk to you about today, which was um, that term two-eyed seeing. I'm sure you've heard of it. I think you even gave a TED Talk about it at some point. Uh, just yeah. kind of, yeah, being used to describe that journey of walking into worlds, seeing with Indigenous ways of knowing, as well as uh, kind of that Western or mainstream knowledge. As an Indigenous physician, what, what does that term mean to you? Well, I, I always grew up with the idea of two-eyed seeing. Uh, my father was a very traditional person in that uh, he was orphaned as a baby, and he was raised by his maternal grandmother. And she was born in 1880, <laughs> and that's who raised him. Uh, and and so he would he would carry our teachings. He said, you can't make up our teachings. You just have to learn them. And he said, the truth is we live with our feet in two worlds. White people are not going anywhere. Um, you can be as good as a white person. Like you can go to school and do well. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Because some of my cousins, they'd be like, oh, you're so, you're so white because you get good grades or you're such an apple or a sellout, um, you know, if you participate in sports and that kind of thing. And I was always confident because my dad's voice was with me from when I was really little. And my dad did a very First Nations thing in saying, uh, oh, uh, you know, your sister, your sister Rose is um, good with people, so she'll be a helper in the village. And your sister Grace is good with numbers, so she'll maybe she'll work in business. And she, and he said, and you, you can remember things, so you should go to university and study science. And I was like, oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> you know, I was just a little kid. <laughs> I was just a little kid, and he had decided. Yeah. You're like, this is boring. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it definitely sounded um, to me like, oh, I have to leave everything I know and go to a university. I couldn't even imagine what a university was when I was when I was a kid. But he had planted that. So as, as I got older, I made peace with, yeah, I'll go to university and I'll study and see see what it um, see what it means. And uh, I'm so glad I did. So how has that way of seeing that kind of two eyed way of seeing followed you then from that time in your life onwards? Yeah. So he said you can be good in school. It doesn't make you less Indian. You know, you're not less indigenous. You can be good at both. And uh, and he said you can't pretend that it's just the olden days and you're, you know, an old an old school school person or a traditional person and you can't just forget who you are you can't erase you know how you look like you know you look like an Indian (laughs) that's how he would say um so so I was both and I was completely happy with that that was completely normal so two-eyed seeing is seeing with indigenous knowledges and western knowledges and uh and it's really advantageous because you see things from two points of view maybe even more than that and you use that to solve uh, solve your problems. Because being a doctor, you solve a lot of problems. You're like this great big head that everyone comes to talk to because you have this this extreme knowledge uh, and experience, and they and they ask you uh, for for help. So they give you they give you their problems, and you help them solve it. So that, that's what I think doctors do a, a lot of. Mm-hmm. I would agree. At this point, I can see that there's problems there. I just don't know how to solve them yet. <laughs> oh, I feel for you. Now we're at the point in our training when we know it's an issue, but we don't know what to do about yeah. it. 
<laughs> and, and you'll see with time that you'll see the same problems over and over again. Be like, you know, uh, like maybe in your third year, you'll go, oh, I had a case like this. Once I know just what to do. And uh, that's pretty fun. And then, you know, eventually, like when you're my age, it's like, oh, I've seen that problem like a hundred times. Uh, of course, I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So true. Where did you, um, so after medical school, where did you go? So after medical school in Calgary, I went to Vancouver, which I considered kind of my hometown. It's where I, it's where I live uh, since I was a teenager. Uh, and I went to school, or sorry, I went to residency. I was attached to UBC, but I worked at St. Paul's Hospital, which is downtown Vancouver and a hospital where, you know, there are so many First Nations patients and it was a really big hospital. It actually had 500 doctors working there. And uh, I I was a resident there. It was quite quite an interesting and amazing experience, you know, as they run you through different parts of the hospital, you know, maternity or uh, surgery or like the outpatient clinic and you know, it was cardiology. It just was really, really fascinating. I quite loved being uh, a resident, though it was harrowing sometimes, right? You sometimes get really big problems uh, and you're you're unsure how to do it. That happens sometimes. Uh, of course, a lot of the time you get presented with problems. You know exactly what to do because you studied it. It's like, oh, finally I get to do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you do family for a couple years there or, or what did you do? Yeah, so, so I did family medicine and uh, it's so funny because I was still acting. Mm-hmm. I was I, I did about forty shows when I was a medical student. Wow! Wow! And that and that was yeah, that was crazy. I don't suggest anyone work while you're in medical school, but I did. <laughs> I I just I couldn't I couldn't say like oh I'm so I'm too busy to do your movie. Sorry, I have to read a book tonight. Like I just <laughs> couldn't do that. Yeah, so that feels guess, bad. Eh? That, that would feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I kept I kept working. And so when I went to residency, I, I negotiated that I would go two thirds time. I would do my two years over three years uh, so that I could I could keep working. And it was great to work because I had a family who needed me to provide for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't mind. And also, you can imagine going a little bit slower is pretty cool because <laughs> you guys are going out pretty fast. Yeah, so you would have also done the three-year program then as well, because we're also at the three-year, three-year program, program at McMaster. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a little harder <laughs> to go at a faster pace, yeah. uh, definitely. Yeah. So what does a day in the life of Evan Adams look like right now? Uh, yeah, so I trained as a family doctor and was seeing um, mainly Indigenous patients, and I would go where there were Indigenous people. So sometimes I'd be in the inner city, sometimes I'd be in a remote place where you know there were say 500 people and sometimes i would go to um you know quite a large center like prince george and uh, i i loved that but eventually uh i was asked to look after quite large groups you know I, the province asked me to come in and help them uh develop indigenous health in bc so i did that and i eventually became the deputy provincial health officer with bonnie henry i don't know if you know who bonnie henry is she's now the provincial health officer of course i know uh, who bonnie BC. henry is yes her <laughs> face is on the backs of buses in vancouver i've yeah. seen it <laughs> yes yes so bonnie great. and i were uh, deputy provincial health officers together and uh you know she she specialized in uh, infectious diseases and i was i specialized in indigenous um, health and uh, that was really great work to learn how to look after all of those um, many things 
that help people be well, you know, talking to the BC Cancer Agency and speaking to the, you know, BC uh, Kidney Registry, you know, looking after provincial data sets and that kind of that kind of thing. So now that's what I do. And it means that uh, I get a lot of emails, <laughs> uh, lots of uh, reports that I have to go through and, and try and figure out, okay, what, what can we do to try and help? So today I got uh, hospitalization data for First Nations Inuit and Métis. And now I have to think about the data that I've um, been reading about. It's pretty comprehensive. And I've asked for more data, right? Like you, when you read data, it's like, okay, I need to learn more. Okay? I've seen why First Nations people go into hospital, but there's no, not enough detail. So, so I go back and say, can you send me more mm. so that we can figure this out? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice job. I like to problem solve and I, I, you know, I do love our people. I do feel that desire to help them have better lives. So I, even though the work is hard, I can sleep at night knowing, uh, knowing I'm doing something helpful. Yeah. Mm, and I you. wish you guys that too. Yeah. No, that's, that's so important. And was, did you have a family practice for a long time or what was, how did you make that or decide to make that transition from family to public health? Sure. Uh, so I, I would locum, like when you, when you finish, you replace other doctors in part because doctors very seldom get a break. So uh, when you just when you're just out, people say, "Can you you know can you come and help me?" And it's like, "Yeah, cool. I'll go to this clinic, work for a while, go to that clinic, help that doctor out." And uh, I really wanted to see indigenous people, so I would go see. I would help doctors who had practices where that where there were lots of indigenous uh, people. Um, so I never had my own clinic because I knew that once I had my own clinic, I would stay with those patients. For the rest of my life and the rest of their lives because you make a commitment more or less that's at least that's mm -hmm. was the thinking 20 years ago i think now people are more accustomed to the idea that you know every time they go to the clinic it might be someone different uh, but back then it was a commitment so i never settled down i used to work with the university with ubc uh, so i think i think that's how my name uh, got put forward to help the province it also doesn't help it doesn't um, hurt mm -hmm. you know having been in a hit movie because uh, all the doctors knew who I was, they'd be like, "Oh, you're the actor. You're the actor, doctor." Oh yes, and I'm sure I'm sure some of the patients knew who you were as well. <laughs> they they did. Well, it sounds like at different parts of your life, you were finding things that were making you happy, and that is so admirable and inspiring for me personally. When I imagine who I want to be in and outside of medicine in the future, five or ten years down the road. It's amazing to hear about how you find your balance in walking between two worlds while being true to yourself, whether it be in your art side or more academic side. I want to ask you, what advice, aside from being in a hip movie, <laughs> would you give to future Indigenous healthcare workers? Yeah, I, I wish for you to keep your balance. Uh, as in, you know, if you, if you have your parents, like, don't... don't um, ignore them for the next eight years of your training. Um, if you have a husband or a wife, or if you have children, please don't ignore them. Like keep your balance. Medicine will always be there and your learning is lifelong. As in, it's not like you learn as a medical student and then you stop learning and you're a professional. You're just learning how to help people 
better and better every year, better and better, better. And really, who cares when they say, you know, the four years is up or the two years are up or the three years are up. It's just growing. You're constantly growing and getting better. Uh, so in the midst of that, keep your balance because you, you do want to be a good person. You do want to um, practice your language. You do want to see the world or see Canada or see your territory. And, and uh, pleasure is actually a really important thing. I work with a Canadian space agency, wow. if you can imagine, looking at astronaut health. Just sprinkle that and one astronauts on are kind of like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. So you work with astronauts. Okay. <laughs> so... So, yeah, so so uh, so we were looking at, you know, what do astronauts need um, when they're in space? And so we, so I said, like, well, what do they say? Because in public health, that's what you ask. Uh, you know, you ask indigenous people, how can I help you? How can we change the service? So astronauts said um, we get bored and we miss our families. So so that reminded me people want to have fun. People want to feel love and warm. And that's what you want, and that's what I want. We shouldn't pretend uh, it's important to love your kids or to, uh, you know, honor your parents. So you do have to stop and take care of that too. Not just read a book, not just try and get a, a high mark in your exam, not just impress your teacher you're working with that day. Uh, and that's our way to keep your balance. You don't want to just be good at your work. You want to be good at a million things and I and I you know what also helped me with that is meeting actors because I would meet actors who are so beautiful and so famous and so good at being actors but they were horrible people they're just <laughs> awful terrible people that you would never leave your kids with oh and my I God. thought yeah that's what that's what can happen if you get out of balance. Yeah, you're like, you that's become kind of disgusting. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, me and Tanya Lee are aiming not to be disgusting in our future lives. But <laughs> in, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, the, the message, <laughs> the message of balance is so important. And I heard you say somewhere in there, like learning your language, like that is something that I is really, really important to me personally. And balancing that with going to med school has been hard, but I find that like I, so my uncle runs a, a Cree language class uh, and it was remote because of COVID. And so I was able to go there. It was a couple hours a week um, on Zoom and it was, it was tough to find time for it. But when I, I came out of that Zoom call, probably the only Zoom call of the day that I felt like rejuvenated and reconnected to myself after taking that time to kind of learn my language. So yeah, balance, very, very important. And I'm curious as to what advice you would give, maybe it's the same advice, um, but what advice you would give to Indigenous uh, people thinking about going into medicine, but not having made the moves yet? Ah, well, being a doctor is a very specific um, part of the team, right? The, the doctor is usually the one who has the most training, like you've spent the most time in school. And that's great. Like we need doctors, but we also need people in other areas. So, you know, if you ask patients, they'll say seeing the elder or seeing the counselor was just as important as seeing the doctor. So I think if young people want to help and gosh, I hope you want to help and be in service to to our people. That's very um, it's very traditional to want to help others. Uh, that you'll go and see which um, which thing you love 
because maybe it's not a doctor. Maybe it is. That's great. But maybe it isn't. And that's great, too. You can still help from, you know, whatever position you go into. So I, I don't like this hierarchy where um, being a, the doctor is the best thing. It isn't. We're all needed. And the new health team, the new health team includes lots of teammates, not just not just the doctor. It's the nurse and the social worker um, and, the you know, the uh, occupational therapist and the elder and the singer. My gosh, uh, sometimes elders would sing for me because they knew that I was, having, you know, going through medical school. It was a long journey. They would just sing for me and I would think, ah, oh, that's the most amazing healing. I wish I wish I could help like that. I, I would see with my own eyes mm-hmm. how our people can help each other from whatever position they're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Completely agreed. And in every profession that you just mentioned, all of the healthcare professions and otherwise, there are ways to help people and we need Indigenous peoples in those roles. So completely agree. Those are also important. Before we kind of wind down, is there anything else you would want to add or or say to the audience or us? Well, I, I really like the analogy of what what you're doing in your training as being like athletic training that you know being put through the paces like you can't be good unless you work out and that's what all of this reading and all those tests are about but they're also completely artificial it's not real life like you'll see soon enough when you're with your patients what uh real life is and uh being with people is uh, a gift it really is and it's really hard because people really lean on you, you know, please help me. I'm having such a hard time with this problem. It feels, it feels a little bit like a weight sometimes to look after so many people, but just remember your training that, um, you know, right now you're running Your your people, your teachers are making you run, but very soon you will be in charge of people. And very soon you'll be leading the run. You'll be teaching others to, to run and it happens really fast so just just uh, relax and enjoy the journey because it really is a long journey lots you're gonna do lots of running <laughs> every single day month after month and just just relax and trust uh the process i i wish i had um i'm actually glad i stopped and had fun sometimes uh it's very natural for me to always want to be the the funny guy because you know i was an actor before i always would find the drama you were Thomas. In, in medical <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. So I remember those happy times a lot, not just, you know, the painful stuff of medical school, the exams and the long hours and stuff. And, and also I remember the people that I trained with, I got very close to them. They're some of my best friends. Some of my happiest moments were being with those people and, and sharing this, experience mm-hmm. yeah and and you'll see you're so needed and uh and you'll see it will be all worth it eventually because right now it's kind of delayed gratification right you're working hard but you're not seeing the the results and i'm living those results right like mm-hmm. i'm i have a mm-hmm. happy life uh now <laughs> thank you thank you yeah i was gonna say after all that drudgery that it was worth it right like <laughs> you're content it and happy really is yes oh, doing lots of good things yeah it's crazy how much opportunity there is for indigenous physicians it's 
it's ridiculous. Just the just the gifts I get <laughs> every day. People are bringing me presents, and I say, "I'm the last one." I have so many things. Like, please don't do, <laughs> do it for the presents. Coming. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, and I'm I'm cheering you on. I'm cheering the the listeners on. Uh, I finally understand when the when the old people would uh, say, you know, it just makes me happy to see you. I'd be like, what? Oh, that's so weird. But now, you know, I'm older, and it makes me happy to see you, and I'm ch- I'm cheering for you. I really, really want you to succeed. Oh, hi, hi. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, with that, Dr. Adams, take care, and we'll chat soon. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks for the chat. To stay up to date with when our next episodes will be, or if you'd like to provide any feedback, you can follow us on Instagram at moccasin underscore rounds or on Facebook at moccasin rounds podcast. Please like and subscribe. And if you know anyone that might be interested in this podcast, please share widely.